Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome players to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. We are the fantasy football show that is rated R for a ravishing good time. Mendy here back with another fresh episode out on your Thanksgiving plate. Joined by Johnny Foosball, John Van... John. I was waiting for some texts after the Chiefs game. Did not see them. What happened? I, I sent them all when the Raiders won by eight a few weeks beforehand. Like I said earlier, aggregate. They're plus four in the two-game series. In professional soccer, that moves them to the next round. Mm-hmm. It's a salty take. Uh, but we also have here the doc, Eric Mendelson. Hair seems to be getting... Yeah, man. I'm overdue for a haircut. Been like four or five days. <laughs> yeah, not used to seeing that from you, but... Uh, we don't have the Bradster Damas today, but we have someone even better. Because joining us this week, we bring you a man obsessed with film like you're obsessed with chasing the bag. A former NFL and AFL cornerback and a Modesto Junior College and University of Arkansas Monticello alum. This man is the creator of the Crocker Report and a contributor of 4th and Nine. If you need an easy dub in Madden, this is your guy. <laughs> We've got something cooking up in the crock pot because we're talking to Eric Crocker. What's up, man? What's good, man? What's up? What's up? Glad you could uh, join us here tonight, man. Uh, pleasure to be able to speak with someone that uh, be able to play in the NFL and the AFL. So we need that perspective from you. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm here to. I'm here to bring it and, and all things Terrell Owens. Ah. <laughs> uh... So before we dive into everything, got a lot of fun stuff planned. I want to start just, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, just kind of how you got into football, your time in the league and all that good stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, she was got into football. I mean, that started at a young age. And, you know, you talked about, like, my obsession with film, man. Like, that started, for whatever reason, I, I couldn't even tell you why, but I'd say, like, in the fourth grade, I used to record games on Sundays and then just rewatch them back, like, throughout the week, you know, and, like, then once the Sunday came, you know, this is V. I don't know how old you guys are, but this is during the VHS times. Oh, I'm with and, you. And um, you can re-record, like, over. You just have to rewind it to the beginning, and then you can start over a whole new, you know, recording. So I do that all year. And um, just watching it back, I guess, it, you know, it just became like an obsession with football. And then from there, just playing the game. Um, I had a brother. I have, I have a brother that's four years older than me. I would play with him and his friends, like, in the streets. You know, we played tackle in the streets, whatever, and that made me tough. And then I think just that kind of physicality and my love for it just, you know, throughout the years just continued to grow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a long story with how I got to the league and all that, but for the most part, man, it just – I just never gave up. You know what I'm saying? I never gave up. So uh, that was a a big big thing for me, uh, even just to kind of make it to that level, even from – from the arena league to the NFL and all that, and all the opportunities I had, it was always some, it was great stuff. Yeah, man, and um, I'm really excited for you to bring that that side of things tonight. 
And as we're going along here, if you guys have any questions you want to ask Eric, if any kind of fantasy questions, we already had one sent in. So Eric, you can also bring in your perspective if you're, I don't know if you're big into fantasy or not, but uh, uh, he's got a trade offer from uh, his, uh, someone in his league. He wants his Chris Carson and he sends a CH Geo Bernard and Duke. I have J-Rob and Gibson. So Eric, I'm just, yeah. uh, Croc, what are you thinking? So they probably don't want my advice. I've been terrible with fantasy. <laughs> I've been terrible <laughs> with my fantasy drafts. And it's like, so I even, I just stopped playing fantasy altogether. I do play like FanDuel or DraftKings, but my as man. far as trades and stuff, they probably don't want my advice. <laughs> we'll, we'll give your advice and then they'll do the opposite. <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, Chris Carson, he, he's been hurt. He's been banged up. Uh, it looks like the Seahawks have kind of gone more towards a uh, run by committee thing. Um, even with guys I don't think they ideally would want on the field. I mean, like Homer's injured as well. And now they have a guy in there, number 41. I don't even know who that is. But I know he was running the ball last week. So I, I don't know. He wants my Chris Carson. Yeah, I would give Chris Carson up if I was him. I would too. CH just had like 80 plus yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, that, that's this is a, a classic trying to sell high on CEH who's not gonna he's gonna get but one touchdown for the rest of the season now because that's all nah. that's all he's been doing. He has Positive his, he has his coming. feast games and then he has his famine games. He had twenty yards the two games before. So he would basically he would start Geo and Duke over these two. And good point from the boys hopping in. Is it PPR standard? We'll get back to that question because I want to dive into some other stuff today. Cause in the huddle, what we got going on, we have player debates. So controversy over who's better between player A and player B. It's long existed since way before we were alive. So we want to bring the side from the former NFL AFL perspective. And then we want to bring the side from the fan and fantasy analyst perspective to see who can kind of present a better argument between the players in question. So who's truly better at the top of their positions? We want to answer that. And then we'll go to our question of the week after who is the best sportscaster you're most thankful for or the top sportscaster of all time. And as always, we have our game of the week revealed at the end of the show. But first, let's get to our news and notes. All right. News and notes. First up, we have Joe Burrow tore his ACL, his MCL, and he has some meniscus damage out for the year and I'm concerned about what's looking like for the beginning of 2021. This is obviously sad uh, uh, franchise quarterback that was making that team relevant. So two questions for you guys and Croc, I'm going to start with you. Do you think he's back the beginning of next year? And do you have a big downgrade for the rest of the pass catchers on his team? Uh, Yeah, huge pass uh, downgrade. I mean, you know, we saw what, happened once the backup quarterback got in the game. I think he threw like 11 passes, only completed three of them, was picked off once, um, sacked like four times. So that's not ideal, right? Um, Especially for the pass catchers that they have. Um, As as far as uh, Joe Burrow goes, you know, he'll be back. I think the toughest thing, and I've I've had to watch Jimmy Garoppolo try to, you know, overcome uh, an ACL injury. The, The biggest thing is just, getting out of your head that you tore that ACL. 
you know, and being able to, you know, step in your throws the right way. I remember when Jimmy Garoppolo first came back, and you guys might remember this preseason game, might not. It was on, like, ESPN. Against the Broncos? It was was against the Broncos. Yep. And this was his first live action, and you could see him, like, not try to put weight on that leg. You could see when he fell down, he's trying, like, not to get that leg in any type of harm's way. And I think just kind of getting over the mental aspect of the injury is probably the hardest thing more so than the actual injury itself. So that's a tough thing that Joe Burrow is going to have to deal with. I, I think, I mean, I would expect him back by week one. I think he'll be there ready to go. But mentally, I don't know how ready he'll be, and he'll have to get over that hurdle. Yeah, and uh, he's added it standard. We are all on board with you making that trade. And not making me, that swap. for the record, not me. Except for John. The other three, including the former athlete, agrees with doing that. Doc, I'm going to go to you next. What are you thinking about Joe Burrow? Yeah, uh, similar echo as um, Croc. Um, kind of worried more of the mental just because that's such damage to his knee. I don't think he'll be ready by the start of the season. I think it would be smart just to kind of wait and see. I mean, that is your franchise quarterback. Uh, I think it downgrades everyone except for Tyler Boyd. Uh, I want to shout out Fantasy Football. Uh, in his three <laughs> starts, he has eight targets, three targets, and nine targets. Um, so he's by far getting the most recognition. But I would definitely downgrade T. Higgins and whatever A.J. Green was left. Johnny, what are you thinking? I'm just uh, annoyed as soon as I sing T. Higgins' praises, and I'm thankful I picked him up in fantasy weeks and weeks ago. Uh, this happens just in time for the playoffs. So, But uh, obviously that's not the main concern. Um, I think they should, I've seen talk that Joe Burrow won't be ready um, for the start of week one next year. And I think, honestly, until they get an offensive line, they should sit him or they'll be in the same spot they are at the end of next season too, just quarterback on the ground. Yeah, I heard that they're looking to hopefully take that stud tackle out of Oregon. I forget his name at the top of my head, but he's supposed Sure-sure to be or something like that. Yeah, he's supposed to be like one of the best in the last like decade. So I'm sure that's who they're going to be looking at in the draft. Let's go to next bit of news here. Taysom Hill. Yes, John's favorite player. Led the New no. Orleans Saints to a 24-9 <laughs> win on Sunday. Finished 18 that is, a, that is a strong word for that. <laughs> he finished 18 of 23 passing for 233 yards, rushed for 51 yards and two scores. John, the floor is yours. Were you impressed? No. I mean, God forbid they run it with Kamara or Latavius Murray. Instead, it's a seven-yard scramble. Derek Carr can scramble for seven yards. I mean, it's not like he did anything phenomenal. Croc, what are you thinking? Were you impressed with Taysom Hill's debut? Um, I, I guess from a debut perspective, you know, it, it, it wasn't bad. Um, this, that's probably the most passes he's ever thrown. Like, I think he threw more passes in this game than he has his, in his like entire career. Even most of the times that are designed drop back passes, he'll take off and run, you know, anyway. So this was the first time we've actually kind of seen him just kind of throw the ball, even though it wasn't some explosive passing game, a lot of play action, different things like that, short passes, um, a lot of kind of what they did. He did have the deep ball that looked more like a punt than an actual, <laughs> uh, you know, deep pass. But, um, you know, and Emmanuel Sanders uh, adjusted extremely well to make that catch. His his ability to run, like just the threat of it, even though like, you know, a seven-yard run isn't like super impressive, but it's just the fact that you know on any play he'll take off. And just that kind of uh, uh, pressure – on a defense, it's kind of tough. It makes him a little tough or unique to defend. Now, the thing I would like to see is how defenses uh, adjust, you know, how now there's film on him having to play an entire game 
Um, and that's going to continue to be, you know, what happens over the next few weeks while uh, Drew Brees is out. So I, I like to see how teams kind of adjust to it. But, yeah, it's it's, it's impressive only because it's like, well, okay, ooh, he got the win, most throws he's ever thrown in the game. Let's see how he, you know, does moving forward. Yeah, and I, um, if I'm defending him, I'm putting everybody up. I'm like, all right, let me see if you can throw it deep accurately because he was going to Michael Thomas every slant route, every time. I know, like, how many slants are you going to let Michael Thomas run? Like, we know that's all he runs, and they still let him run it, and they still can't stop it. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Are, are you one of the guys that calls him Slant Boy? Yeah, Slant God, Slant Boy, whatever you want to call him. That's all he runs. What other route did he run that game? I mean, it's just slants. And he's just maybe, maybe, maybe the occasional drag. Yeah, occasional <laughs> drag. And it was like running a slam from the left. And then like running a slam from the left. Then you know what? Let's move him to the right. And I'm thinking like, oh, they're gonna run something different. It's like slant. And I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Every time. <laughs> and he catches it every time. Yeah, it's it's wild. Our guy Beastie checking in. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh let's go to our next bit of news here. And Alex Smith earned his first win as a starter in 742 days. So I just want to know, did a tear come to your eyes after he uh, he won that game? Anybody? Yeah, you know? good for him. Good for him. He should retire, honestly. I mean, he's more, besides like making it to the playoffs and like winning a Super Bowl, which probably isn't likely for the Washington football team. Like he's completed the recovery. He started a game. He's won a game. Like this is, this is probably the best how his story will end. Yeah, I feel like I'm a scared mom out there watching him play. Like every drop back, I'm like, no, 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 no. And then he gets, I'm like, okay, good, good. He's safe for now. Um, question, why are you Johnny Foosball? Johnny Foosball. Who doesn't like foosball? And I'm better than Johnny football. It was a football at foosball. <laughs> good answer. All right. And then just the last little bit here, Jordan Howard joined the Eagles practice squad. Nothing really there. Tua was benched, even though he was named the starter for Week 12. And newsflash, Pat Mahomes is still good, leading a comeback victory over the Las Vegas Raiders. Gimmicky offense. I think that's terrible by uh, that benching of of, uh, Tua. You know, you you, you have a rookie. You know, you got a rookie. And, you know, when you were doing well, you said, you know what, we're going to hand the team over to him. I think at that point, you know, especially with quarterback. Quarterbacks are, regardless of what anybody tells you guys, they're very sensitive, very prideful guys. And when you do something like that, or you pull him from that situation, you're basically saying, you're, you know, you're not good enough right now to get us through this. But what you would want is to see if he can work through it and, and get the win. And that would be huge for his confidence. Instead, they did the opposite. They pulled him, and they still lost on an interception by the guy that you had replaced him. You know, and it's just like, damn, like, y'all don't believe in me. And you brought this other guy in, and he threw a pick, and we still lost. I just, you know, what it does to his confidence. I I just, I, I didn't care for that move, and I thought that was kind of definitely I, like a, an overreaction, uh, you know, to whatever the situation was at that time. I had time. the same, same reaction when I saw him get benched. If you're going to start the rookie, then you have to start the rookie. You can't, like, uh, have him come out every t- couple of series. It's not, like, two-quarterback system in college or something. Hey, Croc, do you think that uh, two, or Fitzpatrick should have been benched in the first place because he did win three out of their four heading into the bye? I didn't think that he should have been benched, but, I mean, at some point you were going to play to a – you know, quarterbacks are – able to come in now so more than ever come in and be effective, especially if things around him are good. We saw in two of his first three wins, like he wasn't the reason, 
right? It wasn't like, oh, he's just out there throwing for a bunch of yards or anything like that. They simplified the game. They played good defense. They were getting defense scores, you know, and it was a very, a very uh, 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 manageable situation for him. And But that's who he is right now until he gets better. But he can only get better if you continue to put him in, play him, and him be in those type of situations. So um, they did it. I didn't quite agree with it, but they still figured out ways to win with him. I wish they would have just kept that same mindset. And if you felt like there was any type of option that, hey, there there might be a time where we might pull him, then I would don't even start him. You know what I'm saying? And there's other ways you can get guys involved, like just put certain packages for him. Um, throw him in for certain possessions, the same way that we've seen Taysom Hill do with the Saints or uh, uh, Jalen Hurts do with the Philadelphia Eagles. Just kind of get him playing time here and there to kind of get his blood flowing, juice flowing, get him a little comfortable. And then at some point, if you want to put him in, then put him in. But I, I didn't care for what they did after, hey, the, if the game is in your hands now, and then pulling him, I, I didn't agree with that. It's a shame we're going to have to debate because I agree with like everything you've said so far. Yeah, no, I'm with him, and he's got me fired up. So if you like hearing Croc talk about Tua, you like what you're hearing so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and a fantasy basketball show that you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about throwing us in the debate ring with all your friends and leave us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric and Brad run our social media and provide daily questions, annoying gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. And I want you to pretend triple play is like you're stuffing on your Thanksgiving plate. You know why it's stuffing? Because everybody loves stuffing, and it's a staple and a necessity on that Thanksgiving plate. So treat us like you're stuffing is all I ask of you. And if you don't like stuffing, you're a monster, and I don't even want to know who you are. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal players, for your listens each and every week. Guys, do you have a favorite dish for Thanksgiving? Mashed potatoes. Hit the nail on the head, man. Stuffing. Wait, you crock. What was that question? What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh, probably baked mac and cheese. Between baked mac and cheese, ham, and um, definitely not turkey, but baked mac and cheese, ham. I mean, I'm good with, with those two things. There's one thing I know I'm missing for sure, but baked mac and cheese and ham. I, oh, and sweet potatoes. The okay. yams. You know, this would have been I'm a getting... whole other debate because I don't – does mac and cheese count as a Thanksgiving food? I feel like that's – I don't not... know if it does, but – hey, It does. It totally it, does. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, even if it didn't, like that's what – it is now. So. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, okay, let's get – let's dive in. Good talk for Thanksgiving. We'll dive into some player debates now. Again, player A versus player B. And we're talking, we're looking at the best at their position for these from each of the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end group here. So we have the fantasy analyst debating the athlete. And we're going to start right off at the top with quarterbacks. And we have Patrick Mahomes versus Russell Wilson. And Eric, I know you want to take the Russell Wilson side. So give us your case why you think Russell Wilson is better than Patrick Mahomes. All right, well... I know that everybody thinks Patrick Mahomes is the best QB to play ever, and he's good. He's good. These are the top two. But before Russell Wilson had DK Metcalf, who were his weapons? Doug Baldwin, an undrafted or, I think, sixth-round pick out of Stanford? 
Russell has made the most out of his weapons, and he's been efficient. He's also been durable. He hasn't missed a game in his NFL career. He has 10-plus wins in seven out of the eight seasons he's been in the NFL, and he's always been above 500. He has 30 game-winning drives in his career. He's been great at scrambling outside the pocket. He has a bad O-line, but he knows when to sense the pocket pressure's coming. He's also very undersized and makes the best use of his height. He, In his third season, he won a Super Bowl, and had they just run the ball and given it to Marshawn Lynch, Right now, what Patrick Mahomes is doing after one his third Super Bowl and everybody's hyping up as he an all-time great, this is the same path that Russell Wilson was led down, and he almost won back-to-back Super Bowls. And who knows how the Seahawks franchise, who I hate, but I got to give credit, Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. That's hilarious. Uh, You know who the real best quarterback is. No debate. You get the quack for that. We're going to crock here. Go ahead and, and uh, defend the best of the best. Yeah, no, nah, I'm going green, man, and I'm I'm gonna go. Ah! And I, so I know there's like a, a, you know, between fantasy football and like the actual football, there is a different kind of how you guys kind of perceive guys sometimes. But Russell Wilson, he's the pressure, and, and Mahomes does it a little bit, but the pressure that that uh, Russell puts on you from uh from a running perspective. I just think that's kind of added value, right? Because he'll he'll throw for a bunch of touchdowns and we've seen that, right? He's had like four passing touchdowns in the game, five passing touchdowns, but they'll also run some read option down there with him. They'll do things like that. So from a fantasy perspective, I'm gonna go with Russell. From an overall perspective, I'm still gonna go with Russell, man. Yeah. I mean he, you know yeah. he, he's he he puts Mm-mm-mm. so much pressure on you and he's for the most of his career, he's been it's just been run the ball, run the ball. Okay, like now bail us out, you know, Russell, and then he'll bail them out, do some crazy stuff. Every single play, man, like he put so much pressure on you, and it's and then now he's added the deep ball, and it's not just. I mean, we think of DK Metcalf, and it's like, man, like he can beat you on any play down the field or a crosser. But then it's Tyler Lockett too, like he can beat you at any time, and he has these two weapons that are vertical threats he's never really had consistently throughout his career. And now he he can he's throwing these moon balls that they call as high as he can, and they just drop right into God's hands. Now, the one thing that he has been prone to do over the last few weeks is throw interceptions. And typically that's not him. He's And even more so than – I know we look at Patrick Mahomes' stats, and he doesn't really throw a lot of interceptions, but he throws a ton of interceptable balls. And we typically mm. don't see that from Russell Wilson. So I think he's a little safer from that standpoint. I've seen him torture my 49ers from, for years. And just like he's like the boogeyman. That's kind of how we view him. And just the him, how dynamic he is as an athlete on the ground. And he's like always looking to pass. And then he just runs as far as he can, then slides. I mean, he does a lot of little annoying stuff. I think that's how I gauge a guy with how good he is. Like how annoying is he to me? Cross. And he's like – at the top of the list. Maybe, so. maybe, maybe I should have taken Mahomes just for debate's sake. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Mahomes. Wait, wait, hold on. You guys annoyed oh, wait. me. Let me take Mahomes. Know, you know, as a 49ers fan, whenever they play the Seahawks, you're like, wow, they could be down by 21 in the fourth quarter and Russ is going to make it a close game. Yeah. Like, I, I know, never Russ, count him out. I mean, I never uh, count him out. Mahomes obviously has kind of been that guy, but it's like, like the Seahawks, they win what they, they, they play in the most one score games out of anybody. Like every single game is a one score game. And it always comes down to the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. And more times than not, he comes through for them. 
That's why their record has been so good for as long as it is. The team around them has not been good. It's all on his shoulders. This is the first time that the Seahawks have actually put a team around them. Even then, the defense is atrocious, right? I mean, we're talking about a historically bad defense that he's playing with, the worst uh, defense in the NFL, and you wouldn't even know it by watching the game because he does so much to keep them in every single game. It's all on his shoulders, every game. Even more and- so than the Kansas City Chiefs, like the Chiefs, their defense isn't great. And I think what we've seen from, like, you know, the Raiders and how they've kind of threatened them uh, with their offense, like that's not something that happens every week with the Chiefs. Their Chiefs the Chiefs' defense is much better than what they get credit for. Seahawks' defense is terrible. Every single game is on the shoulders of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, uh, uh, Russell Wilson. And we start off the show talking about Chris Carson and all that. He don't got Chris Carson. He doesn't have whoever the other running back is. And he don't have whoever the next running back is. Yeah, some guy number 41. I, like I said, who is he? We don't even know who he is. And somehow they still find ways to win games. So, yeah, Russell, he always just has so much on his plate. It's all or nothing. It all starts with him. And that's not the case for really most other teams around the NFL. And Russell does it all without these gimmicky play calls, these jet sweep passes to pad the stats that Mahomes gets in Kansas City from Reed that they tried to do with Kelsey on Sunday. Listen, does anybody <laughs> throw more two-yard touchdown passes than Patrick Mahomes? And, no and, and a lot of them are the little shovel passes. It reminds me a lot of um, when uh, uh, Peyton Manning was throwing all those touchdowns. And it's like, Peyton, you're not slick. I watched the game. like You threw three touchdowns from the one-yard line. You know, so yeah, you see a lot of that with Mahomes. It kind of goes under. It kind of goes under the radar just a little bit, but they oh, I'm making sure touch jet sweeps a lot. I'm making sure that people are talking about it. Wrong. You guys are wrong. wrong. Okay, let me defend my guy Patrick Mahomes here because the slander with Patrick Mahomes is I can't take it anymore. So we can look first at their statistics, and if we you already addressed the, the statistics, David. They're padded. So take away the touchdowns, which. We won't talk about that. I know that Croc, you brought up that you know he had, has interceptable balls, but the facts are he still he has two interceptions, and Russell Wilson has ten interceptions. And then for bringing up the point that okay, that uh, he's all he gimmicky give give plays at the the close in when they're about to score. Their yards per attempt, Patrick Mahomes averages eight point one yards per attempt, and Russell Wilson averages eight point two yards per attempt. So their yards per attempt when they're throwing is the same pretty much. So it's not like Mahomes is being super efficient, just close in. And if you look at their completion percentages, 67.9 to 70.7. So again, they're right around each other. And I look at the team success, seven and three versus nine and one. Then I look at also Mahomes last year won a Super Bowl with Damian Williams as his running back who got cut from the Dolphins. And you can say he looked better in Kansas City. It's because Who's not going to look good playing with Patrick Mahomes? Who's not going to look good with Andy Reid? But but Damian <laughs> Williams is not a good back. Damian uh, Williams, is, is, I, I will I will argue. Damian Williams me. is there's playoff Damian, but he's a career three point five yards per carry back. David, so, I, I think you're reading into a lot of uh, his time on the Dolphins, and we've seen how good the Dolphins players once they got rid of Adam Gase. So. David, <laughs> I, David, I don't want to get too much into it because we got a couple other ones we want to get to. I, <laughs> I think we guys need to put some respect on Patrick Holmes' name as the number one quarterback because he's he's an MVP, and he's right now I think the leading candidate for MVP with how Russell kind of tailed off a little bit. He's Closing. already won a Super Bowl in his second year. He could have won Should a Super Bowl in his third year. He, he, I mean, he didn't count as he didn't really play his first year, but his first year starting was an offsides penalty away from being in the Super Bowl and then won a Super Bowl his second year. This is a guy that has never lost 
by more than seven points in his entire career. He lost and by he, eight to the Raiders, David. Was it eight? This season, yeah. Okay, he's Ooh. never lost by more than eight <laughs> points in his entire career. Like he's still a one-score game if you go for two. So he's in in two and two seasons and some change or whatever. This is a guy that literally is not lost by more than one score David, in his career. Can, so can I just make my closing It speaks arguments? for itself. Can I, can I make on. my closing arguments? Andy Reid, probably top five coach of all time. Travis Kelsey, best tight end in the game. They benefited from Tyreek Hill. They suspended him for, from the team for three months when they were investigating that lawsuit and then signed him for an extension at a discount because of the bad PR around him. Alex Smith was doing well with that team. When they lost to the Colts 45-44, it wasn't because their offense was bad. You put in most quarterbacks. You take Russell off Seattle. They're a 3-13 team. You, you take, take Patrick Mahomes off the Chiefs. Where are they? What, what were they? Where were they? With Alex Smith, they're a perennial division winner. They're ten and six. <laughs> they're ten and six, and a, not a Super Bowl contender. But let's let's move on because we've got other ones to talk about here, and we're going to move to the running backs next, and that's Alvin Kamara versus Dalvin Cook, arguably two of the best in the game that are playing this season. We're going to take CMC out of this equation for right now, and Croc, you look like you're itching to. Which one do you want to side with in this argument? I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara just because of the offense that he plays in. Like his quarterback can't throw five yards down the field. So they do all these little dump offs to him. And I'm pretty sure PPR leagues love Alvin Kamara because he's going to get you 10 catches and he's going to get you, you know, 70 yards receiving. Now, as a pure running back, it's hard to know exactly what he is from just a running the ball perspective because they don't use him in that aspect a lot. But with how they use him, man, it makes them really tough to defend. And I think it works so well in their offense. And when they do just turn around and hand him the ball, he's pretty damn good. He's he, he squeezes through. You don't look at him and think like, oh, in between the tackle runner. But he is really good at that. So I think just what he gives you, what we've seen from him, um, I'll choose him, but I really do. I love Devin Cook as well. But, you know, if I choose between the two, I'm definitely going to go with Kamara based off of just how they use him, how his team – he's really the MVP of his team. They benefit off of him so much. I really think their offense probably goes as he goes. If you take Kamara away from that offense, I think it can get really, really sketchy really quick, especially if Drew Brees is out there because, like I said, he can't really throw downfield like that. Yeah, and it's interesting because Kamara has had 81 catches every single year of his career until probably this season. It's probably going to be higher the rate he was going. And um, you know, you're getting the ball. Like, you know, it's like you, I think teams go into the game like, hey, in the passing game, stop Alvin Kamara. And you can't. So, like, that's a big, that's a big thing. He's doing a really good job. Does anybody think that Dalvin Cook's the better runner? Because I think he's the better yes. runner. Yes. 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 He's averaging 118.8 yards per game this year. I think like 5.3 yards per carry. I mean, I'm a Kamara fan too, and maybe that the better player if you're building your team around. But a lot of his value comes from receiving. If we're talking pure running back, it's got to be Dalvin Cook. He has 13 touchdowns already this year. He's not playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback in a high-scoring offense. Now, I know with Kevin Stefanski last year and Gary Kubiak this year, it's more of a run heavy. But that, that should mean that you know it's that Dalvin Cook is getting the ball. And he's not as much a receiving back, so you should be stacking eight in the box. And, I mean, he, like I said, 13 touchdowns this year, 13 touchdowns last year, very efficient scoring within the five. And 
I know he's had some durability concerns, but the fact that he's come from two torn ACLs and is still the physical runner that he is, it's got to be Dalvin Cook. So I think it's like we all agree then. Alvin Kamara is the better overall player with his catching included, probably better fantasy option. Dalvin Cook's the better pure running back. And he's got those like those twitchy muscles that seem to work differently than everybody else when he runs. Seems like everybody on agreement with that. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, wait, Croc, Croc, are you pro or against players wearing grills when they're playing? Uh, I mean, I wore a grill when I was playing, so I'm, he's yeah, pro. I'm all for it. Okay, I love it. <laughs> I, I'm pro. Now too. I ain't wear the one that they got. That's big money. I I, I ain't <laughs> had that, but I had a little gold grill though. Okay. So this next one, I'm interested to debate with you, Croc, because I hear you're a big DK Metcalf guy. Yeah. Big DK Metcalf guy. I think AJ Brown is better than DK Metcalf. I'm very firm in that belief. So why is DK Metcalf better than AJ Brown? Who you know, it it's tough to compare the two. Um, but if you were like, hey, you can only have one of these guys, then I'm going to go with DK Metcalf. I think that the Seahawks even do a little bit of a disservice to him because they don't do much with him, right? They don't. When's the last time you've seen DK Metcalf motion, right? They don't motion him. They don't motion him to tight splits and do things to get off coverage. Like he has to work so hard with everything that he gets. And, you know, it's like line up on the left side, run a slant run a go route, run a post, run a drag, run a stop route. Like everything is just by the route tree. You know what I'm saying? If they just add a little bit more, hey, let's motion him down to a tight split. Now you have him versus off coverage, you know, and a guy can't get his hands on him. Run some natural pick routes to get the ball in his hands in space. Do things like that. I think he, we'd see an even better DK Metcalf. But just off of who he is, man, he's a physical force. And on any play, I think with A.J. Brown, obviously, like, he's really good. I, I love A.J. Brown as well. And I think, you know, he does a ter- strong hands, doesn't really drop passes. We saw the touchdown that he scored last game to send the game into overtime. Amazing, right? But I think that they he doesn't scare me on every play. DK, DK on if you take a, a bad step at the line of scrimmage, he's gone. And we've seen that consistently where he's just outrunning guys, catching the ball over his shoulder, you know, he can catch a drag route, and he's really gone. Even when A.J. Brown does it, which he can give you that, it's still kind of surprising. When D.K. catches that ball in space, it's like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> we don't know if anybody's going to get him down. So I just think that just from a who's scarier perspective on a down-and-down basis, I would go with D.K. Metcalf. At the end of the day, I think their numbers are pretty similar for the most part with what they give you. But um, DK, man, I think if they just start doing a little bit more with him, he's going to be unstoppable. So I'm going to go with DK. Johnny Foosball, before I make the A.J. Brown argument, what side are you on? I'm a big DK guy. And ever since I was originally a hater when he couldn't do the three-cone drill, and then he just completely proved me wrong. So, (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Doc? Uh, Tell me, David, make your argument, and I'll decide. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. So – A.J. Brown versus D.K. Metcalf. If you're starting a franchise with wide receivers, they're probably in the top three, both of them. A.J. Brown, six foot two twenty seven. D.K. Metcalf is six four two twenty nine. So he's four inches taller, but A.J. Brown weighs almost exactly the same. So that's how you know how built A.J. Brown is. A.J. Brown leads the league in broken tackles at the wide receiver position with thirteen. 
So you know that he's not one of those guys that goes down real easily. Who's second? He, uh, I think DK, I think, is third. Okay. He's a, I think he has 11. There's someone with 12 in the middle that I can't remember. Um, then you look at he's on a run-first team. So he's on a team that, I, if you want to talk about, which I agree that they don't fully utilize DK Metcalf, he's on a team that runs the ball with Derrick Henry 30 times a game. Imagine him on a team like if, if he was on Seattle and you had Russell Wilson throwing him the ball on a, a pass-first offense. And when I compare the offenses, the Seahawks thrown, have thrown the ball 379 times this season compared to 331 passes for the Titans. So we're talking about uh, basically a game's worth of passes that he's thrown more. So that can add up over time. That's that could be another you know ten targets, six catches right there. And then I look at AJ Brown's stats: thirty six for five forty and seven touchdowns in eight games. And one of those games he left early. He's got sixty four targets and a twenty percent target share. And he's got ten targets in the red zone with five touchdowns. Then I look at DK Metcalf. He's got seventy eight targets. So he's got 14 more targets. He's got a 22% target share. So he's got a 2% more target share, eight touchdowns on 12 red zone trips. So he basically, when it's all said and done with all the statistics, he's getting a lot more opportunity. But I think A.J. Brown is being more efficient with his opportunities. And I think if A.J. Brown wasn't in a team like Tennessee, where he's the second option to Derrick Henry as far as the game plan, and D.K. Metcalf is like the first 1A and 1B with Lockett, I think people would be putting AJ Brown a lot higher than he actually is. I also, and I know you you talked about it being a run for his offense. I think that actually benefits AJ Brown because he's not just this pure route runner where AJ is just gonna you know beat you and whoop you and turn you around. I think playing in an offense that is play action that gives guys you know the chance to kind of get downfield with him. He's really good at just kind of getting inside of you, putting his body on you. And going the other way and catching the ball in tight coverage, I think he's really good with that. I think if you just asked him, like, hey, we're just going to be a drop back, throw the ball off and spread it out and think he's just going to beat guys with routes, I think that would kind of hurt him, actually. So I know it's more of a play action, heavy play action offense and run off, but I think that actually helps him kind of get open downfield a little bit on some deep crossers and things like that. Because I don't think he's as quick as and powerful off the line of scrimmage I say like a DK Metcalf. So, yeah, I, I think that actually kind of helps him just a little bit. Doc, what are you thinking after both sides? So, I think, you know, I was kind of on yours until Croc said that because I do think play action helps. And I remember when we talked before the season, I said, like, he had eight catches that were like 40 or more yards last year. And those eight catches accumulated like 35% of his total receiving yards. So, I think he's a better stretch the field option, which the play action opens up. You did make some really good stats. Um, I'm giving the slight edge to Metcalf. It was honestly, I had him higher, but when he got blanketed with Jalen Ramsey and he had like two for 28, that definitely took him down a little bit in my rankings. Um, I would say Metcalf by a little bit. But put, put, put Ramsey on A.J. Brown and see what happens. <laughs> he can't do nothing with him. He can't do nothing with Jalen Ramsey. I would love if they were playing him this year and we could compare it. That alone might solve this argument. <laughs> I remember what? AJ Bouye on AJ Brown, and that was AJ Brown didn't want no right. issues with that. All right, all right. So, so a former cornerback, you'd be more scared to face DK. Hey, what? Yeah, I 
Yeah, because every play, because he can score on any play, like on any play he can score. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a crossing route, whether it's a slant, whether it's a go route, whether it's a post, and we've seen it. Like he, he can score from anywhere on the field. That like that's tough when you know in the back of your head, if I'm not on point with everything that I do, this guy really can't score. And he does. Like he like he will. It's not like a, a John Ross who you know, well, John Ross is really fast, he can score at any time. Like, yeah, but he doesn't. Like he's not that guy. Like, <laughs> he doesn't even get on the field. <laughs> yeah, right. He, you know, but DK like and he will. He'll he'll torture you in the blink of an eye, and that's 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 scary. AJ Brown, I just know things kind of got to go his way. He might have to really kind of beat me, and then break some tackle, or like the angle might have to be off where like you end up running into your defender, and then he'll kind of squeeze through there and run. Like he's big as hell, he's hard to bring down. But from on a play to play basis, man, I'm scared. DK, man, I wouldn't want to have to guard that. You'd want to guard AJ Brown though. I I, I would rather guard AJ Brown. I would rather than guard DK. All right, fair enough. Then let's move to tight ends and let's talk about Taysom Hill <laughs> versus Travis Kelsey because <laughs> Taysom Hill was uh, did classify as a tight end. So who would you rather have as your tight end, Croc? Uh, this is a tough one, but I think I'm gonna go with Travis Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, and we see like Travis Kelsey is actually, you know. You think of tight ends as safety blankets, but that's exactly what he is for Patrick Mahomes, man. Like, he helps Patrick Mahomes so much. Patrick Mahomes, no, he just has to throw it in the area of of Travis Kelsey, and Kelsey's going to come through for him. Kelsey makes him right. I bet there are times where Mahomes might be wrong, but Kelsey makes him right, you know? And it's always good to have that type of receiver, um, you know, to option option for you. Um, so yeah, like with everything he does and what he is to Kansas City, moving the change consistently. Um, I just saw him moving the change a bunch of times last night against the Raiders, where I'm just like, man, clutch catch, clutch catch. Oh man, clutch catch, uh, sliding on the ground, catching the ball, going low this way, and I'm just like, man, like I don't know how you stop it, especially with some of the ball placement with Patrick Mahomes. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is not really a debate, but yeah, I definitely. <laughs> I know Mr. Foosball over there is president of the Taysom Hill fan club. So go ahead and defend your guy. <laughs> well, I was going to take uh, the opposite side of whichever one you did. And I figured that that was probably going to be Kelsey since he's much, much better. So I didn't have much set up for him, but I had a lot of, a lot of positive talk for uh, Taysom Hill. Wow. So, yeah. Positive is the least word for it. But um, <laughs> uh, first off, just, you got to set the baseline. You got to bring Kelsey down a notch. He had a stupid dating show called catching Kelsey which is described as NFL tight end Travis Kelsey makes it look easy when he's catching the pigskin on the gridiron, but he hasn't found it to be as easy to catch a romantic partner on the dating scene. That already knocks him down a peg for me. That is kind of cheesy. <laughs> that is kind of cheesy. And then for Taysom Hill, I mean, the the QB stats pile up uh, regardless, and it's, I will have to say it's kind of ridiculous ESPN let him be a tight end for a week in fantasy football purposes. Um, I know Mike Clay said, oh, we don't change our position ranking. We don't change our positions uh, in the middle of the week. I mean, they're not passing a constitutional amendment. Just have a guy go in and change it manually. But um, for that alone, just the fact that he has sort of that QB upside to you, you know, he can run, he can pass somewhat um i know you, you mentioned it earlier you had a bit of a duck uh last week that uh anybody but the falcons could pick i know you'd pick it off croc 
But uh, with that, there's just so many options. Travis Kelsey, they tried to have him pass the ball. He couldn't get two yards on the goal line. Taysom Hill can can run it from seven yards on the goal line. He can pass it from seven yards on the goal line. And he can catch it from seven yards on the goal line. They could do a double pass like they love to do in New England. Uh, there's just so much going on with him that it makes you wonder. But in the grand scheme of things, we know he's way, way worse than Kelsey. I mean, come on. John, um, do you feel disgusting with yourself after complimenting uh, Taysom Hill that much? You need a yes. shower. Yes, I mean, I I couldn't even come up with any real stats because there's no real stats for uh, Taysom Hill at this point. Forty percent of his uh, his passing yards was on one play that shouldn't have been a completion. <laughs> well, I'm gonna give this to Eric, not just because Travis Kelsey, obviously, but you also insulted friend of the pod, Mike Clay, and you can't insult someone been on our pod. I didn't. I didn't insult him. I just said the reasoning was a little bit off. He's acting like there's some hard rules set in ESPN's bylaws that they can't change a player's position midweek. Like it's, it's not that big of a deal. Just go in and change it. If Mike Clay <laughs> says it. I believe him. I'm the fun <laughs> ride. Got a couple. Like it's not going to take the Disney stock price to change Taysom Hill's <laughs> position to quarterback. All right. Well, that's enough Taysom Hill talk for one show. We'll move to the last topic. And if you follow the show account, you saw that Eric tweeted out a picture of which of these four wide receivers you are out on. And it got over a hundred responses, including one from the guest of the show, Mr. Eric here. So uh, we're thinking, which of these guys are you going to take out here? And uh, Croc, I know you felt strong about a particular guy. So which one of those four, and this is Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, Terrell Owens, and Randy Moss. Which one are you taking out of that group? So, well, before I get there, the 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 issue that I had was how certain he was that it was Terrell Owens. Oh yeah, it's like, I'm ready. I'm it's ready. Like, oh no, this is just a no brainer. Like it's Terrell Owens, take him out. And for whatever reason, Terrell Owens kind of gets that rap. But um, one, I'm going to start by saying I, I went with Calvin Johnson, and I didn't want to. When you have those four, it's extremely tough. Like you have to. It's like well, you got to pick one guy. And if I had to pick one, it was either Calvin Johnson or or um, or uh, Julio Jones. Now, when you look at those guys, when you look at those careers, their careers, it's way closer than what people think. I think when people think of Calvin Johnson just off the top of their head, they just think like dominance, which he was. And but they think like just more dominant than Julio Jones. But when you um, when you look at um, so basically what I was saying was, I think when guys look at Calvin Johnson, they just think. Pure dominance, nobody unguardable, right? And when you think about Julio Jones, for whatever reason, he doesn't get that same type of love. But when you look at their numbers and you start comparing things, um, at this point, I think Julio has played actually like two less games than Calvin Johnson, but he has more catches, more yards, and two less touchdowns In with Calvin Johnson actually playing more games to this point. All right, so from a dominance standpoint, it's they're right. They're they're actually Julio's is better. And I'm like, and <laughs> Calvin Johnson kind of bowed out a little early. And that was just my only thing where like, man, he left a little early. It's kind of got to be him, but he he's great in his own right. Now, when it comes to Terrell Owens, here we go. Okay. That the, really is kind of this disrespect and this negative uh, context around him because of, you know, locker room cancer or whatever. But I'm here to tell you guys, 
Terrell Owens was the freak of all freaks. When he caught the ball in space, now you didn't even have to be in space. There was nobody on that list that was better after the catch than Terrell Owens. Like we talked about DK Metcalf and for everything that DK Metcalf is and maybe some things that he isn't, right? We know he can catch a drag route and run and score. We know he can just run a goal route, catching and score. Well, Terrell Owens, and then I talked about how, man, I wish they would motion down uh, DK Metcalf, tight splits, do some different things with him, maybe even line him up in the slot. Terrell Owens did all that, and he destroyed everybody. There was nothing you can do to Terrell Owens, and you guys might not remember these things because you guys are a little younger, but nobody on that list is better run after catching him. He can catch a five-yard pass, throw a guy off him, throw a guy off him, and he was so fast with the ball in his hands. You would think he ran a 4-3. He'd outrun everybody to the end zone. You got to put on some highlights. Y'all going to see it. Um, there were times where he um, caught a slant. I mean, and I'm talking about in the biggest of games, too, like he was doing this. Like, we're not just talking about regular season stuff. I mean, biggest games, catch a five-yard stop, run into a linebacker, boom, boom, and then outrun everybody in the secondary to the end zone. It, it was some real freaky stuff. Um, he could be at a dead stop, catch the ball, throw a guy off of him, shake another couple guys, and just outrun everybody to the end zone. It, it was truly amazing. And then when people talk about, like, the kind of teammate he is, but they don't talk about his toughness. Man, this dude broke his leg, broke it, came back early, like, well before he was even supposed to be back. They didn't know if he was going to be able to play in the Super Bowl. Went to the Played in the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Nine catches for 120-something yards. The Patriots could not stop him. It's like, how can we stop this dude? He's playing on one leg. And they could not stop him. And then, you know, he went – next year he went to, like, Dallas Cowboys. Broke every Cowboy record. Broke all their records. Yards, catch, touchdowns. I think Des Bryant – it took Des Bryant a while before he actually broke Terrell Owens' touchdown record that he had with the Dallas Cowboys. And then even then, later in his career, he went to Cincinnati Bengals. Ended up being the number one receiver over – over uh, Chad Johnson, who's actually really good. And his numbers weren't great, but the fact that he was able to go there and lead them, and this is later in his career. And then he went to Buffalo Bills, and we're thinking like, damn, how, how long is this old-ass dude going to play? Even then, still led the team in in, in uh, yards, you know what I'm saying, in receiving. So when you look at him, I think everybody just looks at what he was as as far as kind of maybe being a little bit dis- divisive at times. I think a lot of that had to do with he just didn't know how to be politically correct or things like if you just asked him like hey what's the issue with you got what you guys got going on he's just gonna tell you and sometimes that rub people the wrong way but from a an ability standpoint there was nothing that anybody on that list can do that he could not do whether it's a go route outrun the defense catch jump balls like you know and then run after catch he was better than every single one of them run after catch and and I feel strongly about that so when it comes to T.O. Everybody's just always, oh, I don't know. But you look at the numbers, what is number two in touchdowns, number three in yards or something like that. Like he's up there at the top of everything. And and that's with playing with subpar quarterbacks for kind of a lot of his career. Jeff Garcia, Donovan McNabb was cool. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Donovan McNabb's in the Hall of Fame. He's pretty perfect. He's pretty bad. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know, but yeah. That's you know that's that's my kind of my spiel. I think he gets a bad rap for whatever reason, but dude was amazing on the field. Amazing, couldn't stop him. Could not stop him. So if Croc was lined up against him on ten routes, are you stopping any of the ten? Well, me, I'm a, I'm a competitor, so 
you know, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to win. Yeah, I'm going to win some. I'm going to have to. <laughs> I, I'm, if I have to pit, pass in the fear, I'm grab them, bite them, whatever. I'm going, I'm going to win one of these reps. I love it. So, Eric, I'll go. Uh, Doc, I'll go to you now. You can counter. All right. Tio's good. I mean, 15. No, seasons. don't say good, man. He's good. All right. All right. All right. All right. Disclaimer. <laughs> All of these wide receivers are amazing, exceptional. The top 0.1 of the one of the 0.1 percent that makes the butt NFL. coming. He is the yak daddy. He is probably the best or, or top two in these four of yards after the catch. He had a hundred plus targets in 12 seasons, but he only caught a hundred balls once. So not the best catch percentage. Plays with Jeff Garcia is a pretty good quarterback. Donovan McNabb, Hall of Famer. Tony Romo, I'd say, is a good quarterback. Uh, Andy, Dal- Andy Dalton or Carson Palmer in Cincinnati? Matthew Stafford, or Calvin Johnson just had Matthew Stafford. But Don't they say just had Matthew Stafford? He's going for like 5,000 yards a season. Matthew Stafford is good, and he's very underrated. I would put him tied with Jeff Garcia on that list. Oh, T.O.'s no. career That's high funny. in yards no. for a season is 1,451. Calvin Johnson went over that three times in nine seasons. He has the most receiving yards for a wide receiver in NFL history with 1,964 in a season. So that one season alone, he was dominant, including his 14-catch, 329-yard game against the Cowboys, where they literally knew the ball was going to him every single time and could not stop him. T.O. has great durability. And that you're right, coming back to uh, from the broken leg, like that should not go unsaid. Like T.O. is a warrior, but I think of, yeah, Calvin Johnson had the shorter career, but he was the unquestioned number one a lot of those years, whether you're talking about fantasy, whether you're talking about the most unguardable wide receiver. My big knock against T.O., if you're the Arizona Cardinals two weeks ago and you're playing the Buffalo Bills and you throw that ball for DeAndre Hopkins in the uh, end zone, which one out of those four would you say I don't feel most comfortable? I mean, you're keeping Randy Moss in there because he made the term Moss. You're keeping Calvin Johnson. I would take Julio. So it's like process of elimination. You need that jump ball. I'm not saying T.O. can't do it, but but this is the thing, really though. The best one? We wouldn't even have to come down to that with T.O. Because 49 <laughs> played in many uh, overtime games, and he caught a uh, five-yard pass. I'm uh, talking. I'm just outrunning I'm talking, everybody. I'm talking so, about I mean, one play, though. One you play. You got to get to that play when you got T.O. <laughs> but I'm talking about one play in the end <laughs> zone. You would have never even gotten to that point. See? So that, that's, that Don't be a Max Kellerman and avoid the point. Don't be a Max Kellerman and avoid the point. You got one jump ball in the end zone. <laughs> Time expired. Which wide receiver are you leaving off that list? Yeah, I'll probably – in that situation, I probably T.O. That's so, what I'm saying. I, all, these, all these wide receivers are great, and I'm not trying to say T.O. isn't amazing. I know he's number two in touchdowns all time. And you're right, I am a little bit younger, so I probably missed watching it firsthand and seeing it for his career. But I just think you can make that case for the other three more. And maybe from the corner perspective, you're thinking of who you had to guard and, and – their route tree and how tough they were to tackle. I, would, I really wouldn't want to guard any of them. Like you can't that's, guard I, that, that's Calvin true. Johnson. He looks matter of fact, I'll tell you guys a quick story real quick. When, when I was like this is 2010, I was in junior college and um, I went to a 49er game against the Detroit Lions. And this is young, maybe it was 2009, but it, it was young Calvin Johnson. And um, he ran over towards the end zone where I was standing at. And I'm looking at him like, what the hell is that? 
Like, what is he? So I text my brother. I'm like, dude, this dude looks like 6'7", 250 pounds. Like, how are you supposed to guard this? And my brother texted me back and he was like, you're not supposed to guard him. And I was like, okay, it makes sense. <laughs> like, you know, it, like, all these dudes are, are, are freaky. I wouldn't want to guard any of them. I would not want to guard any of these guys. That's actually the right choice. Agreed. <laughs> I do have a friend that uh, texted is watching and he said, one, he thought Croc was right. He has Randy number one, T.O. number two. And then he said, you also can't compare stats in different eras, but he said Tio has one of the most clutch catches in NFL history. Do you have to put mm. respect on that oh, too? Oh, 1998 to, or uh, 97 season, I think, 98 playoffs, somewhere around there. Uh, it was the call, It's called the catch two. Uh, Steve Young dropped back. This is in the playoffs. Are right, we not talking about whatever you're talking about, regular season game, nothing really on the line. All right, we're talking about four seconds left in the game. Jeff Garcia, and I remember, I'm watching it. You probably weren't even born yet. I'm watching the game. <laughs> Jeff Garcia, uh, uh, Steve Young drops back. He slips. Steve Young drops back. He slips. They're on like the 35-yard line. He slips, catches his feet, throws a strike over the middle, drives it. Terrell Owens catches it in between three people, gets hit. Boom, boom. Touchdown. Game over. Against you know Green Bay. So you want to talk about clutch plays. We're talking about the biggest of biggest plays and the biggest of biggest moments. Terrell Owens made that catch. And that was at a time where, and remember, you guys kind of young, uh, and I'm only 33. I'm not acting like I'm, like, super old. But 49ers could not beat the Packers. Like, couldn't beat the Packers in the playoffs. And that was and now like, we can. That was a big, big moment. Like, I remember crying. Like, I was, like, nine years old. <laughs> like, oh, you got the ball. Terrell Owens crying. I'm crying. But anyways, yeah, that was good. That was a good text by your boy. Yeah, I mean, um, Theo is the yak daddy. I'm giving him that. I'm giving him that. I'm not going to just completely <laughs> slander him, but overall, he wasn't just yak though. That's my thing. Like you just throw the ball up, and he was outrunning everybody too. And people don't really kind of think about that. Like if he just ran a go route and you just threw it up as high and far as you can, he was outrunning the defensive back and catching and running to the end zone. You just got to watch some highlights, and you'll see it. You'll be like, oh, damn, maybe I was a little wrong about T.O. You, you, know you know what we really got to do? We got to text all four of these players, somehow get their social media, tweet them, have you line up against all of them, and then see which nah, one you're yeah, scared to play yeah, the most. Yeah. That would be great. But let's let's move now to our question of the week. Great debate, oh, gentlemen. Oh, Dave, you didn't even let me go, bud. Do you have an input you'd like to add? Well, I was just going to say that Randy Moss stays on because he moved the crowd. He moved the crowd. Uh, Terrell Owens stays on because he celebrated on the Dallas Star. Uh, Calvin Johnson had 300 yards, seven yards off of a record. And Julio just can't catch touchdowns. So Julio's off. (laughs) Fair enough. But, again, in two less games, Julio has two less touchdowns than Calvin Johnson. Got to take that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I, I will give a little nugget to Julio. He's the only player in NFL history with three 250-plus yard games. So maybe that highest ceiling of anyone we've ever seen in terms of yardage in a single game. That's fair enough. Nice debating there, gentlemen. Now let's move to our question of the week. Can't touch this. Can't All touch right. This. Question of the week sponsored by Manscaped. And I got to know, gentlemen, you got to brace yourselves because winter is coming. And man, do I miss Game of Thrones. What the writers of Game of Thrones don't tell you is that Braun actually is in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. And I want you guys to be confident when you trim down there. I want you to be as confident as Croc is that Tio needs to be on this list. 
<laughs> and you can do that with the new Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It's waterproofed and it's advanced safe, advanced safe skin safe technology, reduces nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help you with your clothes shave. And I want you to look nice and clean. So they also do that with this Weed Whacker ear trimmer and nose hair trimmer, crop ball preserver, and crop reviver ball toner to help keep the fellows fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the fence and you don't know when your next shower is, but no worries. The crop mop ball wipes are there for you. And you also have that refined cologne that you can smell good anywhere and be a refined gentleman. And on top of everything, they'll even throw in the shed travel bag to help carry your goods. And you get the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs to hold the entire package together. If all this sounds good to you. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code TRIPLEPLAY at manscaped.com. Again, that's triple play at manscaped.com to get 20% off. During the winter, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. Might as well make them beautiful. These products are snow joke. All right. Question of the week. Who is the sportscaster? Because we have to be thankful at this time of year. Who's the sportscaster you're most thankful for? And this could be someone like a, a breaking news guy, like a Schefter, or it could be someone like a Scott Van Pelt. So... Croc, you're the guest, so we'll start with you. Who's your choice? Stuart Scott. And, oh, um, wow. Great answer. Just, you know, growing up, uh, as obsessed about sports as I am, he was the first guy that I could actually be like, damn, he sounds like me or he looks like me. You know, like just seeing him on TV, how he was talking, um, the sound effects, like he like changed the whole culture of what ESPN was and made it more like kind of hip and funny, it wasn't your like traditional um, sports uh, show because of him with his sound effects, booyah, and hitting the home runs and boom shakalaka on dunks and all that type of stuff. So um, I, I definitely have to say him because that was the first person that I saw on TV that I could relate to. So I, I, I would have to go. He he was my favorite. I actually cried when he died. Like like I knew him. Like oh like like he was my uncle or something. You know, um, that was kind of how I felt because I grew up with him. Like I grew up watching him. And, um, you know, he meant a lot, you know, to me from that standpoint. Like, I wanted to be a sportscaster because of him. Like, I didn't want to be a fo- – I mean, obviously, I wanted to be a football player. But that wasn't something where that I thought was, like, realistic. Like, oh, one day I'm going to make it to the NFL. I never thought that. But I did think, like, man, I love sports. I love talking about sports. One day I'm going to be like Stuart Scott. So, um, yeah, definitely him. That's a great answer. And, Doc, I'm sorry you have to go after that because I don't think you can top that. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best answer. I was tempted to say Woj because how many people are like Woj bomb, like make a thing out of it. I'm going to say Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is a national treasure. <laughs> how, many, how many people go skip or bring Henny on TV or, or talk about Miles and Yak? I mean, I just feel like everybody like love, they call him Unk on Twitter. Like he's, I just feel like he's the, the funnest. Like I mean, he played professional football so he has that perspective and i don't know he's not afraid to call people out on certain things so um he's the only reason why i watch undisputed in the rare occasions that i do and then his has the meme where he has like his lips up like (laughs) oh yeah i love that meme well the funny thing too is like all the memes that people make of him and he's always posting it um you know his love and affection for uh lebron james definitely doesn't go unnoticed and he doesn't care. Like he doesn't. <laughs> I think the one thing that I can respect about him the most, more so than anything, is he speaks what's on his mind, whether it's from a political stance or sports standpoint or whatever it is. He's not afraid of any backlash. He's comfortable in his skin, 
And I think anytime you see somebody like that, man, like all you can do is respect it. So that's a good one, man. I, I love watching Shannon Sharp on TV. Only reason why I watch Undisputed as well. <laughs> Johnny Foosball, where are you going? I had two, uh, maybe Tony Romo, if only so I can do an impersonation of him. I don't know, Jim. Did he get both in? And it's he was he was five <laughs> yards from the he was five yards from out of bounds. Tony, come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good impression. We need yeah, to incorporate and then, it. And then um, also uh, J- uh, John Madden, just because he he got us for for worse now because Madden's not as good anymore. But it used to be really fun. <laughs> it's kind of gone downhill, but. <laughs> David, I feel bad. We all had three great answers. Now you got to follow up with that. Yeah, I mean, the I can't. I mean, the only one I'm going to say is Scott Van Pelt, and I know I brought it up when we were. I was bringing it up, but the only reason one we went to the same high school is Scott Van Pelt, so it's kind of the connection that he has to where we grew up. Two, he's one of the icons of Sports Center, and I feel like he's one of the few, like him, Neil Everett. Uh, you know, Stuart Scott was one of them. Chris Berman. He's like one of those pillars of, of sports center. Steve ESPN. Levy. Steve Levy. Like I love those, those sports casters. Chris McKendry, when she was on, I know she just does tennis now, but like those people, like I, I really just grew up watching my whole life. So I have a special kind of, of love for them. So all those kind of factors tied in Scott Van Pelt's my guy. Kenny Mayne was another good yes. one that I watched yes. a lot growing up. Yes. Kenny Mayne, um, and not to like leave out the women, but um, Linda Cohn, um, she was somebody that like throughout my childhood, mm-hmm. I always saw her on TV. And Chris and, McKendry um, too. And then last one I want to mention, Michelle DeFoya, man. Like, yes. it's like her, between her and Pam Oliver, I've been seeing them on TV as long as I've been alive and they haven't aged at all. Aaron like, Andrews. I have like this little crush on on uh, Michelle DeFoya. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to throw them out there. Honorable Aaron Andrews and Susie Colbert. No, don't talk about yeah. Doris Burke. <laughs> Drake loves Doris Burke. But, uh. She's like her and Hubie Brown are my two least favorite sports casters. Hubie Brown <laughs> should never be on TV. And he literally says, oh, this is getting in a whole separate tangent. But <laughs> Hubie Brown there is like, that's a nice move to the basket. And he finished it with a dunk. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Thank you. But all right, let's move to our last segment. And that's our game of the week. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what that laugh is from, Croc? Of course, man. Uh, Kawhi <laughs> There we go. When he was like, I can't. I, like, did you hear the, like, how he kind of got to that point where somebody asked him a question? I, I can't remember. Yeah, so, so it was in an interview, and someone asked him a question, and um, he was like, yeah, he answered the question, and he was like, I can't even see you. <laughs> he's just laughing it was just hella awkward like the whole thing was awkward like why he laughed was awkward like him saying he couldn't see the person was awkward like just everything about it was just awkward he's just an awkward ass dude yes, definitely was an introvert is that what they call them yeah mm-hmm. I-, I thought like it tied well since we were talking about basketball throw his laugh in there but uh our game of the week last segment of the show and the doc is hosting it so what are we playing so we're playing a game of guess who and I'm going to name three facts, and I'm going to give – and uh, each person gets a chance to guess who it is. Um, I'm going to say the three facts first. So um, once I'm done, then you buzz in. And these are going to be playing – or these are going to be players from the Thursday night slate of games. So Lions, Texans, Washington football team, Dallas, Pitt, and Baltimore. I have six on here, and I have a se- uh, seventh for a tiebreaker. You guys ready? And we're just buzzing Eric, in with our name. Yeah, you buzz in with your name, and then I'll get the, the first um, one to call it. My, my internet kind of like, or I kind of glitched out for like five seconds, and I missed the whole like 
Yeah, so we're playing a game of guess who. So I'm going to name three facts, and you guys uh, take a guess of who it is. Um, I'm going to have to read the three clues first, and these are going to be players from the Thursday night slate of games. So Lions, Texans, Washington football team, Dallas, Pitt, and Baltimore. You guys ready? You buzz know in with your name. Choice. You buzz in with your name. All right. All right. The first one, he played college ball at Oregon State. He's played for four NFL teams in his career, and his middle name is Taewon. The college <laughs> I, should have given it away. Oregon State. I know, I'm like Oregon State, and, but but you get there's like eight teams that you have to kind of like yes. filter through. Give us the game. Give us the game, Eric. Which two teams is it? Okay, it's the first slate between the Lions and the Texans. Oregon State. Oh, oh. John. John. No, don't, don't get it, John. Is it is it Brandon Cooks? No! It is Brandon Cooks. Uh, I had Sonny. it right as you said it. And he's from Stockton, and I'm like, I know Brandon. I got not think about that, man. Uh, all right. I, well, can't I forgot he's been on so many teams. That's right. Yeah, where's number, t- number two. After getting drafted in the third round of the MLB draft, he chose to pursue baseball over going to college. He went to UCF. He grew up in Georgia. These are really bad clues. So he plays in that first slate of games as well. Who's his first slate again? Uh, It's the Lions and the Texans. And he has a skill position. And he played baseball baseball in college? Yep. After getting drafted in the third round of the MLB draft. I'm I'm about to walk away with this with a win with one correct. I'll give you guys – he is he is a tight end. David. David. TJ Hawkinson. Incorrect. John. John. Darren Fells. Incorrect. <laughs> Rock, you got a guess now. I'm out of tight ends. A, a tight there's end one more. for the Lions. Yeah, for the, yeah, there's one more, yeah. Oh, I couldn't even name a tight end on those teams. I, Do we get to go again? All right. His his initials are J A. Everybody's back in it. John, David, Jordan John, Akins. Jordan Akins. <laughs> All right. The one we didn't get. That's number two. Yeah, that's probably the toughest one on here. Okay, that's good. So we could actually have a chance now. <laughs> All right. Well, John's up to nothing. The next one. He was a third round pick. He was born in Illinois and he started his collegiate <laughs> career at North Dakota. He also plays in the first slate of games. Well, that is Gilbert. Why, why, am, why am I memorizing people's birth state? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just reading the clues. But first slate of games, skill position, I'm adding those in. What was the first clue again? Third round pick. He was born in Illinois, and he started his collegiate career at North Dakota and he's a skill position for either the Texans or the Lions. Are these like are these big names? Yeah, for all sc- of them? yeah. okay, okay. It's not like the six. He's wide you're you're going to have him on your fantasy roster. Okay, John, David, John, Will Fuller, <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> I'm just guessing. David, now. do they have to be like active for the game? Like, like are they going to play? I, I I can't answer that because it's going to give it away. Oh, then I know it, David. David. Kenny Galladay. It is Kenny Galladay. <laughs> All you had to say. I, I, I mean, what was I supposed to say? Yes or no? Like, No, I mean, you couldn't. I asked the perfect I, yeah, question. That, you, you caught me on that one. All right. Number four. 
He was thought to potentially follow in Maurice Claret's footsteps to attempt to go to high school to the NFL. He ran a 4-4-1 40-yard dash. He opened a gym with Trent Williams that includes a soccer field, MMA training area, and incline running hill. David. David. I'm pretty sure that he's best friends with Trent Williams. Is it Adrian Peterson? It is Adrian Peterson, the guy that apparently went bankrupt last year. Yeah, when you yeah. said friends with Trent Williams, I was like, okay. I, well, I know they're like really good buddies. Brad actually gave a good hint on that one. There we go. All right, next one. David and John, you guys are tied at two. We got to get Croc on the board here. <laughs> I know, golly. I'm like, man, my head is like spinning. These are things I feel like I should know, and I'm like clueless with these teams. Or something. I don't know. All right, so he's a track and field youth athlete, athlete of the year in 2009. He was drafted in the fourth round of the draft in 2019. And he's a unanimous first team All American. And he is a running back. John. John. DeAndre Swift. Incorrect. Yeah. Um what was the first clue again? Uh he is a track and field youth athlete of the year in two thousand nine. And drafted in two thousand nineteen. In the fourth round. David. David. Is it? McFarlane? No. Croc, let me get a guess. He's a running back. I mean, no, nah, he went to Auburn. Um, <laughs> You're thinking of carry on? Uh, I'm thinking of running backs on these teams, and it's just like, do they not use running back? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow everyone back in, and I'm going to tell you the game. It's between the Cowboys and Washington football team. David. David. It's in – Tony Pollard. No. <laughs> so five running back to choose from. This is good content, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're horrible. Oh man. Is a is a running back for Washington football team or uh Well I already guessed. No, you said you're back in. Oh, okay. Just pick a make a guess, John. I don't want to guess wrong because is it Bryce Love? It is Bryce Love. <laughs> oh, because I was like, it's not Antonio Gibson. Like he was drafted too high. That's why I don't know why I said Swift to start with. All right, well, David, if you get this, you're tied with him. And uh, if uh, Croc or John gets this, he wins. All right, let's <laughs> go. La- last one. The last one. Let's get Croc on the board. Let's go, Croc. Golly, I know. Born in Louisiana, but evacuated to to Houston after Hurricane Katrina hit. He was a first-round pick in 2020, and in 2016, he had 33 receiving touchdowns in high school, second most in state history. Oh, I was also mixing up the years of the draft. first-round pick this year. John. John. Don't do it. CeeDee Lamb. It I, is CeeDee Lamb. Hit, but I got it. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, not many wide receivers. State, I mean, there were some yeah. around, but to eliminate this, John, congrats on the win. 15 Yay. seconds based on. Um, yeah, so Thanksgiving's coming up. Uh, everybody just stay stay home. That's that's doctor's orders. Very, very efficient message there. And then I want to use the last little bit here. I want to thank Croc. Really appreciate having you on the show today, man. It was a blast. Uh, being you in some of these discussions today, helping you understand AJ Brown's better than DK Metcalf. But uh, no, for real, it was uh, really fun having you on and uh, really appreciate your time. Oh, no, definitely, guys. Anytime, man. It was fun for real. 
course. And uh, before we get out of here, any projects, writings, or content you're working on that you'd like to plug to our audience? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I have the Croc Report. And um, I've been a little slow on my content on, on my site. But uh, as, you know, the offseason comes and the draft starts kind of heating up, there'll be tons of content. My writers are really good uh, on there. Um, you know, bunch of draft content. So, yeah, if you're interested about anything with, you know, draft prospects or anything like that, make sure you guys follow Crocker Report. That's going to be something real good. And if you're a 49er fan, listen to Strike and Go, Strike and Go podcast, myself, my guy Rob Louder. Um, we're both on that. We actually record an episode tonight. So make sure you guys listen to uh, Strike and Gold if you're a 49er fan. Awesome. And make I'm sure you're also- that right now, Strike and Gold. I need something to get me through this season. And with a uh, cross in here, too, there's three Eric's. That's a lot in one episode. But, uh, <laughs> Eric's going to take sure, over the world, man. Make sure you follow him at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. You'll see some of the best football content on the web. And again, man, everybody, uh, I want to thank you and everybody else. Stay safe. Make sure you eat half your weight in Thanksgiving food. And I wish you guys good luck in week 12.